This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash B-E. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Authority Podcast here on the B Podcast Network. It is a pleasure once again, as always, to have you here with us. This is going to be a great episode here. A conversation I recorded with executive coach, consultant, and board director Mike Kelly. So we're going to get to that momentarily. Before we do, just wanted to note a couple things to you. One, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and if you've been getting a lot of value out of it, we truly always appreciate five-star Apple reviews. If you use Apple Podcasts, it only takes a few moments to leave us a review or a rating but it makes all the difference in helping more people find out about the show. I also would love to let you all know about a newer show that I've been recording called Sideline Sessions. This show is I interview coaches from a variety of different sports, including the NFL, NBA, Olympics, NCAA, and more. And our conversations are designed to help you if you are a coach of high school or youth sports, or you're a parent and you have student athletes in your household, all kinds of strategies, tips that are helpful for those types of roles. And we have had a lot of great conversations with people that have reached the upper levels of sports, either as coaches or sports psychologists or in other roles related to recruiting or all the tips that are valuable to them. So Sideline Sessions is available anywhere you get your podcast. If you're listening to The Authority someplace, you can get Sideline Sessions there as well. And we'll also have links below. But without further ado, you know, I want to get into my conversation here with Mike Kelly. And his book is called Leader Fluence, Secrets of Leadership Essential to Effectively Leading Yourself and Positively Influencing Others. And one of the big things in this conversation is that piece about leading yourself the starting point for everything he talks about. And once we get really good at that, then we can lead and influence others as well. Mike's been in the business world for a long time. He 
was with brands such as Macy's and Michelin. He's been in operations, HR, finance, sales. So he's done a whole variety of things. He's really put a lot of thought into this concept of leadership and influence, combining them together for leader fluence. So it's a good conversation and one that I'm proud to bring you. And let's get into it right now. Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you, Ross. I appreciate you having me and I look forward to our time together today. Hey, absolutely. So, so we're talking about your book, Leader Fluence, and I wanted to start with, you know, what's the big idea that you're presenting in this book? The big idea in this book is really a quote that starts the book out and it's in my work, I've collaborated directly with hundreds of educators to support their success. Do you know which of their ed tech frustrations comes up time and again? The sheer number of tools out there and the difficulty of knowing which ones schools like theirs are using to get results. IXL is different. Not only does it perform the functions of dozens of tools, it's currently delivering results for one in four U.S. students, including those in 95 of the top 100 districts. Another major pain point that comes up when a school is excited to implement a new tool only to find out the teachers hate it. Yikes. It helps to know that IXL is loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, saving them time on prep work while enabling them to better support student learning. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments. An independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com forward slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com forward slash BE. By a guy named Philip Massinger. And he says that he that would govern others must first be master of himself. I like to say that he or she that would govern others must first be master of him or herself. I've found personally, and I've seen this in other leaders uh, on many occasions, that a lot of times we are imposters. We're put in roles where we're leading other people and we're struggling and we have no one to talk to. And we come to the realization that we're struggling really to lead ourselves well. Mm -hmm. And certainly that shows up when it comes to our ability to impact others in a positive way. So I wrote the book to really get that point across and share a few ideas for doing that well. Yeah, you shared that in, in in kind of deciding that this was the book that you needed to write, right? And that these were the lessons that were important to convey. Was that as you were going along your career path, you realized there was a lack of advice out there really focused on that concept of leading yourself. There's a lot of books about leadership, about leading others, leading organizations, companies. And there wasn't so much about this idea of leading oneself. So one, can you kind of talk about when you started to come to that realization and then realize, you know what, there's a whole gap here that I need to address. And, and then how did you start to form your definition of what that means to lead oneself and why that's such a critical thing to focus on? 
I'll share, I'll share my experience with you. And then I'll share one other thing I learned, even as a guy who led a learning function for a fortune 500 company mm -hmm. with people reporting to them all across the country. I personally learned about this early on in my career. I guess you'd say I was a high potential leader, getting a lot of opportunities to lead and, and do a lot of different things. I, I'd gotten experience in HR operations, project management, got experience in uh, sales. But one of the things I realized along the way was that I was killing myself doing that. I was working really hard. I was devoting tons of hours to getting the job done. And I love what I did. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't focused as much on the things that mattered more than what I was doing at work. I'll give you an example of this. You know, I gained 30 pounds during this period of time, working 12, 14, 15 hours a day. I wasn't a very good husband. I wasn't a very good boss, but people who reported to me told me I was because I guess they were afraid. They, did, they, they were afraid of how I might react if they told me the truth. I stopped going to church. I mean, I can go on and on. And during this period of time, I, I, I started to experience some pressure. I was having headaches. I couldn't sleep well. I was hard to concentrate sometime. And then I, start, I, I realized I needed to go see a doctor. So I went to see a doctor. The doctor gave me something to help with sleep and to help with the headaches and all those things. But it really didn't, it didn't work. So I went back a few times and he kept giving me stuff. Finally, after maybe the fourth, after the fourth appointment, he said, hey, we need to scan your brain to make sure you don't have anything from a health standpoint going on in your head. So they scanned me just to make sure I didn't have any tumors or anything, and I didn't. He looked at me and said, you are under severe stress headed toward depression. And that was like a smack right between the eyes. I realized at that point that, you know, I was off. So I started to talk to people around me, my wife, and she gave me feedback. Yep, you're struggling. My, the people who reported to me, same thing. I had a nurse practitioner reporting to me, an exercise physiologist. I had the exercise physiologist check me out. She said, yes, you're overweight. She said, so all of the things out there were indicators that I was off track, but I wasn't getting that feedback. So what I realized was that, wait a minute, what is driving me? What was driving me was success that I had not defined. So I was just driving. I wasn't preparing myself. I wasn't working on being a better husband, father, leader, you know, being healthy or anything. I was working on being success at work, but I was not a success in those others that were more important. And a lot of the training that I was getting during that time from this international company, wonderful company, all of the training that I was getting, and that was true of my peers as well, was on leading people. Mm -hmm. They wanted you to be strong leaders of other people. We got no real training on leading ourselves. And then I remember later on getting exposed to concepts Stephen Covey, some other things. And I thought, wow, this is quite interesting. So I started to devour that stuff. And I started to share with my teams. And I found from that, I was leading myself better. And my teammates and those who reported to me, my peers and those who reported to me, as I shared the concepts, I saw many of them change. And I used to share a quote with the team a lot, the teams that I led a lot after I started to have this um, period of enlightenment a Jim Rohn quote, which is work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, he says, you'll earn a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll earn a fortune. And that could be joy and peace of mind as well. And then the last thing I'll share on this, leading a learning function for a Fortune 500 company in the States here, we had access to tons of training. But I cannot tell you of any training that we 
had access to that was focused on leading yourself well, holistically. It was really yeah. all about other people leading a function right. and that sort of thing. So long answer, but that's what I saw. And that led me on this journey that I am on, but also it led me on this journey of writing the book. Yeah, it, it's important, I suppose, right, to not, um, to lead yourself, not lose yourself in leadership, right? And I think a lot of people enter a position of leadership um, conscientiously and, and they have a view of leadership as service, right? And and wanting to be able to be in that role so that they can support others. But if it goes too far in one direction, you know, there's, you cross the line from service to martyrdom and you're not thinking about yourself prioritizing and those things that you need to keep doing to strengthening supporting to be somebody who is well positioned to lead others to serve them and you know you mentioned the necessity of defining what success is and that would be part of it right if you haven't defined that it's going to be unclear well am i leading effectively am i not what am i doing even at micro you know, moments, am I making the right decision here or not? What's my process? Well, if I don't really know what my goal is, then I have no idea if I'm going through the right process. Are there things that you've found to make this more challenging for people? Is it simply the lack of advice out there that focuses on leading oneself or is there something about it even if even if somebody's maybe thinking about that that there's some other hurdle or mental barrier or something that makes it hard to like clearly get in the right headspace there are a ton of things out there that that make it difficult i think in our performance oriented culture if you think about it you're rewarded or recognized often for what you do and when we set goals during the course of the year or when it, when we get to the point where we determine, okay, what are we going to accomplish during the, in the upcoming year and, and preparing to be assessed when it comes to our performance, it's around things that we do, tactics, goals. And these goals are driven by what the company needs. And so often the person who's not really thought about would be the people that are reporting up to an individual who is a leader. So the leader, that's why I've, I found that it's so difficult to get leaders to understand the power in delegation and empowerment. In addition to that, we operate in many environments where there's fear. So rather than delegate or empower someone else, I'm just gonna do it myself to make sure it gets done right. And if we take on enough things, our list of to-dos starts to add up. And before we know it, our people, they're disengaged they're not inspired, they're not motivated, they're not fully utilized, and we're doing everything. Right. And I would also say the fear in many organizations, not so bad right now because jobs are quote unquote plentiful, but that's starting to change as, as the rate tightening starts to have its effect. But a lot of people don't want to lose their jobs. They're in over their heads from a debt standpoint. Many people, I'm a financial advisor as well, and I see this. So they're afraid. So they're going to make sure they do everything possible to keep their jobs. So that's one thing. And I will say the other thing is not defining success personally. So often success is defined for us. And Ron Jensen, a guy out of 
California, he says that we often think of success in the terms of the five P's, which would be pleasure, prosperity, power, prestige, and position. Is that truly success for me? Most of the time, we don't really think that through. I knew I hadn't at that point. But once I really did, I determined that those things are good. Yeah, you want some of those things, but it's so there's so much more. So defining success for yourself can make leading yourself well and others a lot more rewarding and really a lot easier. And I found that when I got that piece, I wasn't working as hard, but I was, my results were much, much better. Yeah, anyone else's, whether it's your organization or a supervisor or society, anyone else's definition of what success is for you is going to be at best incomplete, if not entirely inaccurate, according to your values, your priorities, your approach, right? How does one in leading oneself make those determinations about what should be your priorities? You know, you write about right, leading yourself into good habits. I think those things go together, right? What are the habits that are important for me to develop that will lead me toward the goals that I have or the areas in which you do know, that are priorities for me. But what does that process look like? Regardless of what area of interest you have or what discipline you have from a work standpoint, be it education, be it corporations, be it, it does not really matter, nonprofits. I think it's important that we step back and define success for ourselves, certainly at work, but we want to look broader than that. And we'll talk briefly about the seven F's faith, family, fitness, finances, fun, firm, which is your job or your business and friends, those priority areas, taking a look at those areas. But before we even get there, we want to think about the fact that we're all going to die. So at the end of that journey, I'm 100 years old, for example, I'm looking back over my life. What do I want to see? Get that vision clear in our minds. And it changes over the years, but get as clear as possible and determine what my purpose is. Why is that important to me? And what do I need to do to achieve that? And that's the mission piece. So you think about your purpose. What is the vision of that? What does that look like at the end? What would you like to see? And then let's develop a mission statement around that. And then let's determine how we're doing in these priority areas related to that mission, the faith, family, fitness, finances, fun, firm, friends. And then we want to set goals in those areas. But I often ask people to think about this whole thing around mission. We'll start there. Everyone listening to us, probably works with a foreign organization that has a mission statement. If those people were here with us today and I asked the question, how many of them have a personal mission statement? The numbers would be few, I would imagine, because that's what I see when I speak to groups. A lot of this starts with determining a mission statement for yourself, creating your own personal mission statement, and then taking a look at those priority areas. How am I doing in those seven F areas? If I were to rate myself one to seven, one to 10, one being not so good, 10 to doing well. How would I rate when it comes to my family, when it comes to my firm, the way I'm, I'm performing at work, or my fitness, or my you, all these areas? How am I doing? And a lot of times we realize that there's some areas that are off that we need to improve. I'd also ask if you were to prioritize those areas, one to seven, what would be one, what would be seven? And then if we were to take a look at your calendar, would that be, be correct when it comes to the way you're spending your very precious time? Most cases it wouldn't. So really getting clear on your purpose, your mission, your vision, setting goals in those important areas, align with your mission and living an intentional life, making sure that you're investing your time rather than spending it is a great way to start all this. And that's easier said than done. 
because what often impacts us, Ross, is what we were led to believe, the conditioning, the habits we develop based on where we grew up, church, family, friends, school. We see things a certain way, and that's our reality, some good, some bad, the things that are not so good. We often need help changing. Yeah. Yeah. The way you're talking about the personal mission statement is, is making me look at it in a different way. And, and I, you know, often will uh, think about it and look at it, talk about it in terms of uh, finding alignment of values, right. And uh, matching up with an organization that, that is aligned with values that you have as an individual right? and saying, okay, if I have, you know, personal mission, things that matter to me, what I stand for, what I find fulfilling, the contributions and impact that I want to make. I want to be part of an organization that I feel like is consistent with that. And that's what's a good fit for me. But also that it's not, it's evolving, right? And that each entity is on its own timeline, its own lifespan, its own trajectory. So you may go to a certain place because you have the right mission match at that time. And then as time progresses, you as the individual are at a different part of your journey and realize, look, I've fulfilled this part of my mission here. It's time for my next challenge, right? As an individual, my time is more limited than what this institution may have. And where they are right now is they're in a good place, uh, but I'm in a place where, and so it's important to continue to cross-reference that and look at, and that, you know, not just that part of that is the professional piece of it, but it's looking at all of those other elements and saying, look, you know, I need to continually update where I am according to my goals, my trajectory. And it's not, a, it's not just about good match, bad match, right? I'm in the right place. I'm in the wrong place. But it's that this was the right thing for me to have done for the last five years. And now I'm in a, I'm going to a different part of my journey. Or it's, it's time for me to be able to invest a little bit more in a different goal of mine that hasn't been there thus far. Yeah. You hit on some very important points, a couple in particular, Ross, and, and one is having a mission statement that's right for you makes it easier to make decisions that are mm -hmm. right for you. Because there's so many people and people out there and organizations that want to make decisions for us. I think even in this age of social media, we get messages all the time. But what matters the most to me? And when I think about living on mission, I, I think about a decision I made to leave one company and go to another, having a mission statement that aligned with the company's focus was perfect. It made my decision when it came to going to that organization a lot easier because it aligned with my personal mission statement, which is use my God-given leadership, analytical financial skills to help my family and others grow to become all they're designed to be. So I got to really lead learning for this organization, which was kind of cool. So I was in a sweet spot. But the other thing you talked about was integrating all of life, all these areas, these priority areas of life, life integration. When we get to the point where we're able to consciously do that, life is so much sweeter. Mm -hmm. And it makes it so much easier to then invest our time appropriately and even to plan and set goals. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the way I describe it often to people when I'm you know, doing coaching is that you shouldn't have to feel like one area of your life is just a consequence of another one, right? That you can independently set goals, objectives, dreams in each of these areas, and then prioritize across the board and work toward all of them. And there's certain times where you're, you know, you may feel like in certain situations, you have to give and take and prioritize and reprioritize, but it shouldn't just be that old trope of, you know, I sacrificed my family because of work or vice versa, right? Which I think a lot of people get into feeling like that or my health. <laughs> right. You know, that my health has really deteriorated because I've had all these other demands. And that happens when we haven't taken the time to put everything in equal footing to look at each of it independently and say, well, what, what really are my goals here and how can I get there? And if I'm looking at all of it, then I can see, okay, well, actually, these things aren't incompatible with one another. And also, to make decisions that are best for you, as you said, what is the right decision for me? Not only, you know, if we're allowing our, I guess, assessment, a uh, determination of, of value to be dictated strictly by, say, the organizational mission of our current or potential workplace, it doesn't answer the question of, but why am I here? Why is it me? Right. <laughs> it, whether or not this organization is objectively or subjectively doing work that's important, that matters, that has a purpose, it still needs to be a reason why it's me that is the one doing it versus somebody else, because my purpose may be something different than that. It doesn't mean this isn't important. It's not a black and white, good or bad thing. It's about I need to be fulfilling my mission, but I can't make the right decisions about that unless I have defined that or else I just go, well, this sounds good. I'll go here for a while and ultimately find out, you know what? I didn't find that fulfilling and why not? Well, you know, because I, there's something else out there for me that I can be making my best contribution. Yeah, that is so true. And organizations need people who are all in, but people who are whole. Desperately yeah. needs right now. I mean, we need, and there are many people crying out for strong leaders in organizations. Mm -hmm. So doing these things, uh, if you have good alignment, and you talked about alignment earlier, you can find a sweet spot. And then you get to the point where you're able to help the people that report to you as a leader, thinking this way, be more effective. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times what we do off the job impacts our ability to be effective on the job. Right. If I am, if I, let's think about the financial area. If I'm in over my head in debt and I've got creditors calling me all the time, even trying to reach me at work, how focused am I going to be at work? I mean, how, what is that going to look like? Mm -hmm. Or if I am not healthy and I'm at work and I'm under stress and I'm driving, the likelihood that I'm going to have something go wrong starts to grow over time. So really helping people realize that it's important that we take care of ourselves and we look at things beyond work and we work on those areas, the impact that, that can have on our ability to be quote unquote effective at work is really important. 
And one of the areas that I find that my clients periodically get stuck is goal setting. Mm -hmm. so what happens so often is that we'll set a goal. For example, I would set a goal to lose 20 pounds. So we'll make it smart, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound. And then the work often is done. But there's so much more. And I talk about this in the book. I talk about thinking through what are the advantages of achieving this goal and the losses to be avoided. Mm -hmm. Let's think about that. And then let's think about, let's take a sheet of paper and let's write down obstacles and solutions, obstacles on one column, solutions in the other. What are the obstacles that could present themselves as I pursue this goal? And then for each one of those obstacles, let's write down an accompanying solution to that obstacle ahead of time. So we thought that through. And once we do that, okay, we're prepared for things that are gonna go wrong. And we know that, so we're prepared for that mentally. And we might've thought through what we can do to address them. And then let's set some action steps that we're gonna take by when and who's gonna hold us accountable. And let's start to take those steps and move forward. And at the end of the day, it's gonna be important to believe that we can accomplish these things, which involves some type of uh, affirmations affirming that it's happened and then visualizing what success quote unquote looks like when it comes to those things. So really being more detailed around goal setting on those, in those important areas of life can be helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say that closely related to those points, you know, you write about authentic success and I think a big part of achieving authenticity is understanding that it's not about having all the answers. It's about process, right? It's about committing to a sound decision-making process that you can stand behind and that you can communicate. And as you're in a position of, you know, whether it's leadership within your own life and being able to look at it and say, look, did I follow a sound process here? Okay. I didn't get the results I wanted, but that was, you know, there were factors outside of my control, but I can live with it and I can go and try again. And then as you're leading a team or an entire organization, that you can have that transparency and communicate and say, look, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what, you know, the factors, here's our process. Here's how we determine that. And then everybody can have a similar approach themselves, right? Where we're not just looking, okay, did, do I know everything that's going to happen in the future? No. Do I have all the answers? No, no. Which if, if that's what I think it means um, to be a good leader, then it's going to lead me in the opposite direction of authenticity, right? It's going to be superficiality. It's going to be, okay, what can I do to make myself look good versus to actually help people understand you know, what we're trying to do here. But also it, it's going to, you're just going to lack, I think, the incentive to try things, to buy in, right? because everybody's going to be more on the defensive of, okay, well, we just, we can only do the things that we know will work. So if we don't think it'll work, or we're not sure, we, then we can't even try it. And then there's a lot of that hesitation. But, you know, that, I mean, to me, like, that's one of the things I think of when I'm thinking of authenticity, and, and when I'm thinking of, you know, process and and saying okay i am 
I, I can tell you everything about what we're doing, right? So even, you know, as you went through your goals, right? What are the obstacles that might come up in these things, right? Yeah, we're full. There are obstacles. We're aware of them. And you know what? Every now and then the obstacles get the best of us <laughs> despite our planning, but that's okay because let's tweak it and try a different way or let's, you know, or let's understand that the obstacles aren't, aren't static, right? There's certain times when they get the best of us. There's other times we get the better of them, but if we're not trying hard things that have obstacles, then we're probably not going to achieve much. Yeah, that that is true. And the, I, lo I love what you said about the process. You know, the process basically frees you up to do what you do. And because you can take those steps, you know where you're going, you take those steps and it's not what happens is how you respond to what happens to you. And I will tell you, having a process and things go wrong, you even fail sometimes in a process when you have a process, but that's okay. You've got faith and you're going to understand that failure is an opportunity for growth. A lot of who I am today is because of all the things that went wrong, including hitting the wall back early in my career and getting an opportunity to experience what I experienced. Mm -hmm. We just don't want to give up. You want to have faith and a process can really help you do that. Being a person who builds plans, life plans, financial plans with people, I found that when people get a plan, they exhale in many respects and they start taking steps and they find freedom. Freedom from worry, freedom from making sure that, you know, that everything is exactly right. They just need to take the steps. And that's the process that you're referring to. But many of us don't have a process. We don't have a motive of just thinking things through, but we all should. Yeah. And if we don't know how to do that, reach out to someone who can help us. That's important as well. A coach, a mentor, someone who's done what you want to do, mm -hmm. listen to them, learn from them, apply some of the things you learn and understand that when it goes wrong and it will, there's an opportunity to, Pick up, get up, clean yourself off, do it a little bit differently the next time, learn from what went wrong. And, and now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, MyFlex Learning. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it totally worth exploring. There's more time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it, dedicated time for intervention, and overall, as school leaders, it provides you and your faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in. It can hold you back from ensuring students make good use of their time. That's why I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with the seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. If you want to see for yourself, visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. You'll learn all about MyFlex Learning, what it can do for your school, and you'll receive a $500 off offer for your first year. Check it out. Keep moving. Right. As someone who will ask you the hard questions, right, make you confront that. And But when you realize, yeah, if I don't have clarity around 
how I'm making my decisions and what my, and I'm in a position where I'm leading other, I mean, how can I, with any kind of, you know, realistic uh, perspective or humility, expect other people to buy into what I'm doing if I can't even articulate what I'm doing, right? That should be clear. And once you're forced to confront that, most people even grudgingly would have to admit that, right? But if you've never really looked at that face-to-face and said, okay, yeah, I understand this, you can go on a long time just thinking, well, I'm going to lead by title or whatever the case may be. And you're finding, I mean, what have you found about the correlation between one who's effective at leading oneself in the way that you're you know, defining and writing about it and one who then can successfully lead a large organization? Is it one-to-one? Are there certain other things needed once we get to the point of leading ourselves effectively? Well, what I found, and I'll speak from personal experience and also from some of the people I have the opportunity and have had the opportunity to work with, is when we start to really get this down, we start to set different types of goals. We start to set more meaningful goals, Mm -hmm. meaningful to us and those we love, lead, and serve. And we start to set goals around things that are motivating, some things that are for us that excite us, that's around our passions. And I've seen individuals get, and I've had a couple of situations recently where a couple of leaders got promoted to higher, pretty senior levels, and they had an opportunity in some respects to design their jobs, different different organizations. But a lot of it was because they sort of got this lead myself well first, and they started to invest in the people around them, and the performance of the people around them started to improve. They were able to delegate, they were able to empower, they were able to encourage, they were able to hold accountable in a different way. And it changed the game. Mm -hmm. So they had more time as a leader then to think, to visualize, to plan out into the future, to have different types of discussions because they were comfortable with who they were able to invest in their people. And as their people took on more, then they were freed up to start to do higher level things. Mm -hmm. And, and people work for them in many respects because they wanted to, not because they had to. And that was one of the big things for me. When people really start to feel like they're unleashed and that they have someone in their corner who cares about them and who is modeling what they are espousing to them. And sometimes it's imperfect, but they're transparent when it is. They're willing to say, I failed, I need your help. That's authenticity. That develops that that really, when it comes to trust, that allows a leader to build trust because then you're more human. So yeah. that's what I have seen. And I, and those leaders are rare in my experience who are willing to really be that type of person who's really certainly I'm working on myself, but I'm also others focused. I want others to succeed. Right. I wanted to spend pretty much the rest of our, our conversation on the one of the other key concepts here, which is influence. <laughs> so it's leader fluence. I and mean, we talked a lot about the leadership piece, but how much of one's leadership efficacy in your estimation is defined by the ability to influence others? I feel like it's all of it because without people, leaders, are you a leader? Not necessarily. Great leaders realize that if you're going to get results, real, especially in, in large, complex organizations or even in school systems today, I think it's so important 
that you have a uh, mentality to say, I'm focused really on helping uplift my the people that I'm responsible for leading. So you want to spend time with those people. You want to get to know them, certainly as employees, but also as human beings. And when you build relationships with people, you develop that type of trust, those types of relationships. It's all like almost like you're in it together. Mm -hmm. Develop this team, this community. And as they grow, you grow. And, and one of the things I've seen in great leaders who really sort of get this and, they, and they're doing it well when it comes to influence piece is leaders who give people permission to fail and even get to the point where they'll take responsibility for the fair failure of their team, but they teach through that. And leaders who are willing to, to create an environment where people tell them what they need to hear rather than what they think they want to hear. Not just about themselves as leaders, but also about the organization, about the department ways that you can improve maybe a gap over here that you're not aware of as a leader, but if it's fixed, it can save the company tons of money. It can make the organization or the department much more efficient. So having those types of relationships allows you then to get that type of open, honest communication and that transparency that helps the whole. So, right. so that's what I've seen. I've seen it, it end up being, you know, leading people to build trust amongst their team members and also build community at work that, in my opinion, is attractive and it's fascinating. And I can give personal examples of this because it's something I experienced as a leader myself, uh, leading in a complex organization, and it was fun as well. Yeah. How does a leader build or earn, really earn influence how much of it can be learned right i mean i feel like it can yet you know there's certain people that because of a charisma they have or just some natural uh understanding right, of, of how to influence others it seems like oh no you know i, I but and, and on the other hand i mean i think leaders can learn it but what's your perspective on how they go about doing that right and being able to influence people and influence an organization beyond the direct decisions they make and the influence they have, but to really, you know, to really have influence. I would say first, be a student, be a student hmm. of certainly your job at work, but also be a student of life and a student of people. One ways to do that is you can listen to, you can actually YouTube videos. You've got master classes. You've got tons of books out there. There's so much information out there. But one of the things I've found to be most helpful is working on my listening skills, asking good open-ended questions and listening with energy and emotion to what people are saying. That allows you to do a couple of things. It allows you to learn, but it also allows you to build relationships. Some of the greatest, some of the things that I've learned that have helped me the most have been things I've learned by listening to other people Mentors, friends, people that reported to me. Uh, when I get the opportunity to get with, quote unquote, someone who's a lot more experienced and have done a lot of things, and also someone who's failed a lot. When someone has failed, it's always interesting to sit down and talk with them, to, to really ask them about that experience. So listening to me is a very powerful thing in that certainly you can learn, hear, pick up ideas of things to do, maybe things not to do, but you also build relationships. 
And you also learn things that can help you in maybe areas that you are responsible for, be it at work, at home. I was just talking the other day with a gentleman. He is, he's a coach at a fitness center. And I asked him a couple of questions about some things specifically around fitness, diet, exercise. And he started talking. I just listened. And I came away with two powerful ideas that will help me as I continue to move forward. Now, that's just one example, but there's so many others. And the last thing I'll say on this is you also earn then the opportunity to be able to speak into the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another, you know, big theme, I think in a lot of parts of the book is intentionality, you know, defining success, setting goals, living on purpose and, and can't help but think, you know, intentionality and influence go together a lot too. Right? When I see somebody who is very intentional in their decisions and their actions and the things that they're doing, right? I want to know more about what they're thinking, what they're doing. And, and, you know, that applies to people who are in those positions of leadership, of potential influence, when they clearly have a purpose behind what they're doing, and they have clarity in their vision, and there's a consistency to the actions they're taking towards it. It's going to naturally make those around them kind of tune in and pay attention and say, hmm, it's okay, there's something here, right? There's something behind this. There's more to it. And that's that kind of, you know, that's natural influence. That's nonverbal. That's, you know, that's influence through action versus by position. But it's those, when you're consistent in that and you're consistently intentional, that really, that really rubs off. Yeah. Something as easy as if you're leading, say if you're leading, say if you're a supervisor, you have people reporting to you, 10, 15 people reporting to you. Something as simple as, Putting it in your calendar every day when I come in, I'm going to spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes walking around saying hello to everyone. Mm -hmm. Small tasks, small action step, but can be powerful over time if you do that consistently. Because you're going to learn things. People will share things. You'll build relationships over time. And that'll help you. It'll help them. It'll help the organization, but intentionality, consistency, all those things are so important. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really living on purpose, mm -hmm. understanding that we are mortal beings who are here for a period of time. When I'm gone, what will it have meant that I was here? Whether someone, will there be someone out there who's encouraged? Whether someone out there who will be equipped to impact others. Mike, it's been great having you here on the show. Listeners, you can learn more about the book Leader Fluence at Mike's website, rightpathenterprises.com. You can also find it on Amazon. Anything else people should check out on your website, other things you're working on, or any other anything else you'd like to leave them with? Well, I'd like to leave with certainly read the book. Would, would love to have you read that book. Always happy to, to connect with people on social media platforms. But at the end of the day, it gets back to working harder on ourselves than we do our jobs. And really, when we do that, we're much better at what we do. And we're not only at work, but at home and in other areas of life. And to find what success looks like for you.
and encourage those you love, lead, and serve to do the same, and then live on mission at the end of the day. Excellent. Well, listeners, we hope you've taken away some good insights from this conversation. We'll put the links below to the website where you can find the book and learn more about that. Also, the social media links and all of that information. So if this is all interesting to you, you can follow up, click on those links and connect. Please do also subscribe to the Authority Podcast. If you have not already on any platform, podcast, we'll have more great author interviews like this coming up every week. And if you haven't checked it out yet, subscribe to the new show, Sideline Sessions. I have episodes coming out also weekly there. I'm talking to coaches from every sport uh, I can get imaginable. If you're involved in youth coaching, high school, amateur, or you're a parent, or um, you're involved with student athletes in any other way, it's really designed to help you learn how to support the young athletes in your life. So check that one out as well. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week with another episode. Mike Kelly, thanks so much for being on The Authority. Thank you, Ross, again for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed our interview and keep doing the work. The world needs your gifts. All right, thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.